Welcome to the Trumpet Call Podcast. I'm your host, John Martin, and I'm here with Al Engler. So, Al, thanks for being here with us. Ah, it's a privilege. Um, so, you live in the Seattle area, and you're not with the military anymore, but you've spent plenty of time around military uh, environment. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I joined the Army when I was 17 years old, and I spent uh, about 33 years in some type of military. When I joined the Navigator staff, I stayed in the reserves and completed my career. So kind of 11 years on active duty, and then uh, another 22 years in the reserve component of the Army. And I came to Christ in the Army when I was stationed in Germany uh, through a fellow soldier who was what we would call a Navigator-trained disciple-maker. Um, and then I spent the first 16 years or so as a Navigator staff ministering to the military. Mm. I, I just passed 35 years on Navigator staff. It's a kind of amazing. And wow. by far, the majority of that time was ministering directly to the military. But God then led me to other things. And then I came back, actually, for a four-year stint uh, to serve as the Army director, which was one of the privileges of my life uh, to be around again, you know, to step out for a pretty long period of time and then step back in for a while. So I love the military and I love the military navigators. And that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast. Don't tell anybody, but a secret is when the military navs calling me, I, I tend to say yes, because <laughs> I love them. Uh, even though God's led me to other parts of the navigators to make other contributions uh, this is my family and my roots, and it's, you know, it's the roots of the Navigators really started in the military, but my own roots as a follower of Jesus and a disciple started there as well. Wow, man, that's such a great story. It's so cool to come to Christ in the Army and then be on the director of the Army work, you know, years later. And uh, um, and now you live, you, we were just talking offline, you just live right right close to the, the base there uh, in Washington, so... Uh, man, that is a great, great, great intro. And uh, so this today we're going to talk about the fifth mark of a disciple maker, which is advance the gospel through spiritual generations. So you've been there, done that, Al. You've been living this for years and years and years. Um, so first off, uh, how when you think about spiritual generations, what is that to you? Yeah, so... You know, I think if you if you look at the phrase spiritual generation, spiritual uh, is a is an adjective. It modifies generations. So probably probably we need to look at generations first and understand what what that is. And I had this thought last year. I, I, I don't know if you read through the Bible every year, but it's one of the things that Dave, the guy who discipled me, taught me. And I've read through the Bible every year since I've been a Christian. And probably one of the hardest things in the Bible are these generational passages you know what i mean they just mm. genealogies and the the one that's the most challenging for me is in uh, is right at the beginning of first chronicles so there's like nine chapters uh of generations and uh you know most of it is pretty tough i mean there's some good stuff in there like it names david's mighty men in there and you know there's a prayer of jabez is in there but mostly it's stuff like Hey, there's this guy named Jelalel, and he names two sons Ziph and Zipha. You know, you're like, wow, why, why do you do that? You know, and so they go on and on, and yet uh, there's something to it. Um, as a matter of fact, one of the things I discovered in those nine chapters of Generations is that the most common name is the is the name Azariah, and uh, it means Yahweh has helped, which is just an interesting. I mean, it's an interesting yeah. little tidbit. 
but God is a God is a generational God, and He cares deeply about generations, and that's one of the reasons that I think uh, genealogies are in the Bible. And when He made promises to Abraham, He made generational promises. Actually, when He first blessed Adam and Eve, it was generational. When He started all over again with Noah and his sons, He made generational promises. So that, that's generations. We need to think about generations and what they are. But then spiritual generations. Well, we think, like you, you said in the, in the statement, of the gospel advancing through generations. To me, that's what spiritual generations is. The gospel advancing through generations. So, uh, so when Jesus prayed in John 17 um, that, that I'm not even, I'm not just praying for these guys, but I'm praying for those that'll believe in me through them. He's praying a generational prayer of the way that the, that the knowledge of Jesus is going to spread throughout the whole earth and then through, through time all the way until our time. Uh, and then the Great Commission itself, if you just break apart the Great Commission, I mean, you could take in any of the Gospels, but, but I, I like Matthew, the Matthew's Gospel, which talks about making disciples. There's no way that those 11 men could possibly fulfill that Great Commission, in my mind, apart from a generational movement of the Gospel. Mm. There's just no other way it could have been done, uh, and probably there's no other way it could be done even in our time. Mm. So, uh, so spiritual generations is really generations as a means to advance the gospel. Um, so I, that's what I would say. What When I think of spiritual generations, that's what I'm thinking of. From, from life to life, down through the generations as a means to advance the gospel to every nation and all throughout the world. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's inspiring, Al. Uh, so for you and your own story, uh, what's been the pro? Did you just wake up one day, start being like, "Man, I'm making spiritual spiritual generations today," or uh, has this been the process? And if so, what was that? Yeah, well, you know, I think the 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 process really began with what happened to me. You know, so in some ways, I've got this classic story where uh, you know I met this guy Dave. He was a, a sergeant, just like I was, and. He started talking to me about Jesus. And one day we were sitting in a guest house and he drew out a gospel illustration and challenged me to receive Christ. And then when I did, I said, hey, Dave, uh, I made a decision. And he said, really? What kind of decision? And I told him and he said, oh, man, that's great. He said, you know, I meet with Jesus every morning in the basement of our barracks. Why don't you come, you know, come tomorrow morning and meet us there and we'll, you know, we'll have time with Jesus. So I meet him that first morning and I don't even really know what that means to have time with Jesus, but you know, it's what he told me to do. So I, I did it. Uh, so Dave just poured his life into me. And then actually he and his wife, Cheryl, uh, when Iris came to Christ, they did that with us. And so I just experienced, it's kind of what I knew. Uh, I didn't know much about like how to go to church and how to sing hymns and mm -hmm. those kinds of things. I learned those things later, but I, I saw what he did with me. And then I had a heart to do that with others. Mm -hmm. Then I think, you know, it's one of the things that the Navigators can really help with. We went to conferences and, you know, did Bible studies and that kind of thing where I was exposed to this vision of life to life disciple making. And, and that obviously made a difference. I, like I heard the vision. And I think one of the main things that God used in me coming to Christ was I was a person who had no purpose in my life. So this idea that God could use my life in the life of others 
and they could do the same and that would somehow change the world and that was really motivating to me uh, so that's that i would say that's how i got started so both the example of what was done to me and then the vision that many many teachers and others around the navigators were preaching mm. Yeah, that and that's that's super cool. It's it strikes up to me the conversation about making disciples versus spiritual generations. I, I, I hear a lot of people talking about making disciples. I talk about making disciples. Jesus talked about making disciples. Um, but when you think about spiritual generations, you're talking about generations after generations after generations. Is that right? Yeah. So yeah, so that that is a question I hear a lot. Like, well, is is uh is making disciples the same as as uh, disciple making movements or disciple making generations generations of disciple making uh, or the other way I hear is uh, is discipleship different than disciple making I mean that question comes up a lot and I, I would say they ought to be the same thing but they're not the same thing not in our time so uh, we have to disciple with generations in mind. So when we're investing, when I'm investing in another guy, like I'm meeting with this guy, Joe, and this is true, his, and his name is actually Joe. So Joe, if you're listening, hi. Uh, <laughs> when we meet, what I'm doing with Joe, I'm thinking about, can Joe do this with somebody else? Like I'm trying to pass it on in a way that not a guy that's been on staff with the Navigators for 35 years could can only do, but in a way that Joe can do, you know? So, um, so we can, I think you can make disciples, for example, through a programmatic approach. Lots of groups do that. Uh, the Pharisees made disciples, but I would say in both those cases, the problem with it is it's not generational. So you may create this program. That's a discipleship program, let's say, and it may actually result in some people who are disciples. So I, you know, I'm not throwing rocks at it because, man, we need disciples, you know. So if that's happening, right. fine. But what I want to do is I want to disciple with generations in mind. I want to help a person grow in such a way that they could help somebody else. And, um, and then I want to kind of throw out those things that are not reproducible, um, because I, I think thing, if we impart things that are not reproducible, then what you end up doing is you create a disciple of Jesus who is sterile and can't pass it on to somebody else unless he has another guy like me in his life. Uh, and that's, that's probably not what we're shooting for. Right. So what are some things that you have learned to whittle out? If, if that's, I don't know if there's like something in particular that you could label Al or. Yeah. Well, I, I think that I, I, I would, you know, I'm on this journey with it and I probably keep changing, but I would say uh, if it's, if it's too complex and needs too much explanation, then I, then I tend to whittle it out. And I also think if it's, if it's counting on a program, uh, then I, then I probably try to try to resist that as well. And that's not saying programs can't be helpful, but I, I think if you're depending on those things and then that's not, so I try to be brutal on keeping things simple. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think when, when we're engaged in the disciple making process over a long period of time, we keep accumulating good ideas. And then, but before we know it, things have gotten too, too uh, complicated. And uh, right. so I'm, I'm constantly trying to guard against that, man you know, Dave, he said, he didn't have like some program on how to teach me out of a quiet time. He said, Hey, I meet with Jesus in the morning. 
and come and do that with me. And what we did is we read the Bible a little bit. We talked about it. We prayed and then we went to work. That was mm -hmm. it, you yeah. know, but, but you know what? I do more or less the same thing now, you know, 45 years later. Uh, so um, th that's the idea. And I can show somebody how to do it, not just tell them. I could, I could show somebody. Right. How long did it take you, Al, to begin to, you know, you're meeting with Dave in the basement of this barracks. How long did it take you before you thought, I'm going to do this with somebody else? And, and what happened to make that happen? Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know. I can't really say exactly when I thought that, but I will say this. Dave, very early on, said, hey, I got this idea. Let's go share the gospel with everybody in your squad. I was a squad leader. <laughs> like he just thought of this. Okay. You know, so he got me involved and man, I was so scared. He said, Oh, that's all right. I'll, I'll tell you what, you just introduce me and I'll share with the first couple of guys. But I was memorizing these verses in the topical memory system that about the gospel. And so, and I was learning, you know, how to present the bridge to life illustration. So I was feeling more and more ready. And then I watched Dave do it a few times. And then he's like, okay, you share with the next guy. And that next guy I shared with was a guy named Orban, and uh, he came to Christ to my <laughs> absolutely amazement because I basically did everything wrong, I think, and what I, I, I totally messed up. But uh, we started a Bible study. We started a little group of people. But somewhere along the way, I started praying for God to give me somebody that I could invest in. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I, if someone came to Christ, we'd try to help them grow, but somebody that I could really invest in. And then one day I met this guy named John. And by that time we were involved more broadly with the navigators. And, and uh, I, I remember we went and played soccer. We I was in Stuttgart, but the nearest navigator staff was in Heidelberg. So we brought a bunch of guys up there to play soccer. And the nav staff guy, he grabs me and he says, where'd this John guy come from? And I told how I met him. He said, oh man, Al, he said, you grab onto John. He's really hungry, you know? And, and that was the first guy I, I, I discipled was, was John. He was super hungry. It's funny. You know, I was probably 23 and he was like 21 and I did not know much more than he did, you know, a, a little bit. And, and yet, you know, John and I are still friends to this day. We still talk. And now we mm. talk about the perils of raising adult kids, you know, and that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, and sometimes I, I'll joke with him. I'm like, he'll say, yeah, well, you discipled me and you said this and this. And I'm like, John, I feel like I got to apologize for half the stuff I told you. I didn't, I had no idea what I was doing. And yet God used me, gave me a vision. I began to pray for somebody. Then he gave me a, a, a person. And, and I watched that same process happen with John and God mm -hmm. gave him a person to invest in. And that's, you know, that's one of the beauties of the military, I think, is those kinds of things can happen a little more quickly uh, than they often happen in the rest of life. So. Al, what would you say has been maybe a key passage for you that just motivates you to keep on, keep on when you're working with somebody and there's challenging moments and you're just, that motivates you to pursue spiritual generations? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple that are pretty classic. I, I you know, obviously 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, uh, you know, where Paul is coaching this person, this young guy that he sent to Ephesus to kind of square things away with this church. And basically he said, look for faithful people that you can invest in who'd be able to do the same with others or, or teach others. Um, so that process in second in Timothy two is pretty big for me. Obviously I, you know, as a navigator, you hear countless messages on that and, <laughs> and it's in my soul. I think another one that's really helped me is uh, Colossians one twenty eight, where Paul talks about, presenting every person uh, 
complete in Christ. And he said, I, I teach and I admonish everyone uh, that I might present everybody uh, complete in Christ. And one of the reasons that verse means a lot to me is um, I, I think sometimes when we get focused on disciple making, we, we just look for believers to pick up and then help them deepen their walk with the Lord. And I'm kind of against that. Like, I feel like the edge has to be among the lost. So I want to see like I was, I didn't know the Lord and Dave led me to Christ and he helped me grow. But this verse kind of balances it for me that not, you know, yeah, keep the gospel as your cutting edge, because you're not going to increase the number of disciples if people aren't coming to Christ. But on the other hand, just take everybody where they are and invest in them and help them move to the next step. So I think if, if you have a cutting edge toward the lost, God will bring other believers around you who also have that uh, heart for the lost and you can help them grow as well. So basically, I just want to invest in people and and help them to that next stage, which has given me peace on, you know, there aren't a lot of stories, I don't think, where we have the privilege of leading a person to Christ and helping them grow all the way to the point where they are reproducing spiritually. And even more rare is where you see it to the second and third generation without there being some adoptees along the way. So this just kind of gives me the big picture. And then I, I'd say the final, the final one that really means a lot to me is all of Galatians 3, where the promises of God to Abraham, Paul says, are ours in Christ. So this, you know, all the promises about the your descendants being like the like the sand on the seashore, like the stars in the sky, uh, those are generational promises that God made to Abraham that Paul makes crystal clear in Galatians three that are that are ours in Christ. And so I I want to grab those um, because I you know one of the thoughts on um, you know this idea of be fruitful and multiply. I've wrestled with this question, like, is that a command or mm. is that a promise? And I, I think probably one of the reasons why I wrestle with it is because it's, it's kind of both. Mm -hmm. uh, like if, if God tells you be fruitful and multiply, um, there's some things you have to do, right? Like it, it, if you're uh, married and you want to have uh, great grandchildren someday, you need to have children. <laughs> so you need, there's <laughs> things you do to have children. But the further out you look, the less control you have over it. So you, you can, you know, you have some control over having kids. It's not 100%. I mean, sometimes people can't have kids. And that's, you know, God's got some control there too. But you can have kids, you can influence them to grow up and hopefully that they would have kids. But eventually, as you move out the generations, you, the chances of you knowing your great grandchildren is pretty slim. And knowing the generation beyond that is almost impossible. So there's a sense in which generations and multiplication is a blessing from God that we have to just believe. Mm -hmm. um, now, I think while it's true we can't make it happen, I do think it's also true that we can stop it from happening. So we want to mm -hmm. do things that hopefully make it possible for it to be generational. Wow. So... Man, that's great. So wrapping up the podcast, but I always love to ask about just some concrete advice. I mean, just what well, you've been giving advice, sharing your life the whole time, Al. It's not like, not like we haven't talked about that, but, but what would you say directly to every person seeking to advance the gospel through spiritual generations? What's, what's something that we should all really make a priority in this? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, a little, a little list I have is just be prayerful, be intentional, share what you know, and then learn together on the rest. So, uh, so let me just kind of walk through that. So, I had this experience. So, Dave, the guy who led me to Christ, he's actually a maintenance guy on Joint Base Lewis McCord. So, when I was the Army director, uh, people got to know, hey, did you know Dave, the maintenance guy, is the guy that led Al to Christ? You know, so suddenly Dave became like this celebrity but Dave is a very quiet humble man and I had this dumb idea that the people at uh, Lewis at Joint Base Lewis McCord wanted me to speak on generations and I said hey Dave maybe you and me could do something together and Dave Dave was like freaked out he's like Al I don't want to speak in front of people that's not who I am and I, I said well maybe I'll just ask you some questions and he said okay you can do that but one of the things he said that I had no idea you know I was like well how did you like how did I get it to your attention and why'd you reach out to me and stuff? And he said, well, I was praying God would give me a man. <laughs> I was like, wow. Okay. You know, it kind of gave me chills, you know, so be prayerful, ask God for a, a, a person mm. and then be intentional, intentional. Dave initiated with me, but then share what you know. So like when I first invested in John, the very first person that I helped grow as a disciple, one-on-one uh, -on -one, life to life, I didn't know much, you know, I was probably in DFD book five or something, you know, design for discipleship book five. So I, you know, I knew the first four books. So I, you know, I could start with him, but then there was other stuff I didn't really know, but then I, I said, well, let's learn together, you know, uh, mm -hmm. let's, let's try this together, that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. I, I think if you don't know stuff, you can just say to somebody you're helping, yeah, that's something I want to learn too. Let's learn it together. Uh, mm -hmm. Because really, we're all disciples of Jesus. We're not disciples of, of people. Amen. Uh, yeah. So did you ask about resources or? Uh, um, that was one of my questions. Is there any resource? We, we got like negative yeah, two minutes so left. I mentioned, so. I mentioned, I mean, I think it's helpful if you have like a practical Bible study that covers the basics of the Christian life mm -hmm. that you can take people through. So what what was used with me is the Design for Discipleship series. And I think the navigators still have that. I remember when I was the army director, these Lewis studies were very popular. I, I don't know if those are still out there online that you guys can get, but those mm -hmm. are great. Um, but something like that, there's a there's a the two seven series, just something that kind of keeps you on track and helps you cover the basics of the mm. Christian life that I find that's pretty helpful. I mean, it's not essential, but it's helpful. Um, and then if somebody is if you're trying to help somebody and you want to help them be generational, uh, I think there's an excellent Bible study out there on disciple making called the ways of the alongsider. So a friend of mine named Bill Mowry wrote it. It's from Nav Press. And it just covers how how to see God use your life in the life of other people, in, in the lives of other people, and gives a lot of practical tips on that. And then the last one I'd say would be, I, you know, I wrote a book called A Vital Movement, which is about the Navigator vision, which is a generational vision. Uh, and listen, if anyone in the military that hears this podcast wants a copy of the book, uh, maybe you can put my email or something in the notes. If they just send me an email, I'll send them a copy of it. But it's a, it's just a book of stories uh, about how the gospel advances through spiritual generations. So those are a few resources. Excellent. Al, this is great. I am pumped. Uh, thanks so much for sharing. Thanks for tuning in. Everyone who tuned in to listen to Al Engler uh, preach to us about, uh, about the gospel advancing spiritual generations. So thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time.